0: All right, welcome back to the Ultra Working Podcast. We wanted to follow up with one specific aspect of being in sync that can help a lot. Scoping to time versus scoping to quality. Scope to time versus scope to quality is a critical piece. A lot of people don't even know this exists. And I'm feeling really good that it's a Chris Natterer, Sebastian Marshall show. So Chris, I am excited to explore scoping to time versus scoping to quality with
1: you. Sounds good. It's um, one of those things that once you're introduced to the vocabulary, to the concept, it, it uh, you know appears in many, many cases. It appears everywhere and you really start, I started using it quite a lot after I got introduced to it.
0: Yeah, it, it's bizarre in that way because I didn't know about this for whatever, 25, first 25 years of my life. Right. I, I, I don't, I wasn't thinking one way or the other, I just didn't know and then now I'm like, okay, we're scoping this to time, we're scoping this to quality.
1: Totally. I mean, there's many, many situations when you've naturally in the past probably scoped to time. You just didn't know that it was a concept and you could have called it that, but it's really, really good to know in advance where you stand and you do it like correctly instead of haphazardly without it actually being explicitly stated doing it
0: all right so simplest scope to time example right that that probably everybody's had your college term paper is due on exactly. x date you're going to hand it in on that date or fail it's you're not going to wait until it's a masterpiece you're handing it in
1: yeah and it's also one of those things where it doesn't really help you if like 3 quarters of it are amazing if the last thing is completely missing that's right so you need to have a you need to have like all of it done at least to a certain standard, it doesn't help you to go like super deep on the first two chapters and then have chapter three and four missing completely.
0: Yeah, you're going to get at best a D if the professor's feeling kind, right? Right. Whereas if you turned in everything was okay, you're getting a B. Totally. On X date. So that's scoping the time. Opposite scoping equality, quality, and then let's go back and forth and explore a bunch of examples of each one. There's some people that work on like a single book in their whole life. I'm thinking about Carl von Clausewitz, mm-hmm. the, the, the German um, analyst and, and strategist who looked at how, like why was Napoleon so good? And it's an extremely philosophical work. It's not like have your horsemen in the, the right side. It's, it's not one of those. It's like, what is war? What is stress? What is chance? It's very philosophical. And he worked on that for like 30 or 40 years. Wow. It was mostly done. He died, his wife finished it and put it out. So he was scoping to quality, never hit his target and died. Right. Right? So that's like a scope to quality. Uh, at, it's actually a very illustrative case. Yeah. He literally died before he could get it out. Yeah.:
1: I mean, that's uh, you know, where you set the quality bar is somewhere, a decision to make within that. Am I scoping to quality? Yes. To what level of quality am I scoping is, is a question in there hidden that you need to answer at some point.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's sad for Klaus Swiss that he never got to see his, his work get published. It's now read in all the military academies on war by Klaus it's beautiful philosophical work, even if you're not in a, uh, anything military related. It's, it's very interesting, right? But, you know, the flip side of this is there are in entertainment, right? There are companies that will put out a new sports game, NBA Mm-hmm. 2K18, NBA 2K19, NBA 2K20. They're not going to say, hey, we didn't make the game fun enough this year. We're going to take another six months. No, at the start of the basketball season, the new yeah. game will be out. Then on the other side of the spectrum, there's companies like Blizzard, right? They will not put out a game unless it is supremely fun and perfectly polished. Warcraft 3, World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Starcraft and, 2, right. and, and so on. They just won't put it out unless yeah. it's really, really good. My favorite of that, and I think Pixar is the same way, My favorite example of that is Blizzard made a first-person shooter based on StarCraft. StarCraft's a Space Marines fighting Space Marines game. And they made a first-person shooter based on it using the intellectual property. It's a popular franchise. You'd be a Space Marine, I guess, Mm -hmm. shooting. We don't know because the game never came out. They made the whole game, basically. It was like they were in the final. And they're like, this isn't fun enough. This doesn't live up to our standards. It would have sold millions of copies. Like on day one because they've got such a great reputation and they killed the whole project and like it never saw the light of day Because like this just isn't a good game. This is just a very derivative first-person shooter. It's not unique. It's not polished It's not the perfection of its genre nor is it innovative and they just killed it They were unable to hit the quality bar and decided not to put it out
1: That's uh, laudable Um, Doesn't happen doesn't happen too often I would say but um, Yeah, the They clearly were scoping to quality there's obviously um, you know many things to consider when you're when you're doing that, in terms of, um, yeah, you can you can take too much on potentially if you do it that way, and maybe they would have they would have made some. Um, and I think there was even a, um, John Carmack speaks about this when designing Quake Three, um, in that they took a long time to ship it. Um, They were scoping for quality and they put themselves in a little bit of a hell hole by doing that and and looking back he says he Probably would have changed the decision to go for scoping For a certain release date and then shipping everything that's possible by then and then then maybe making some some changes to to the game after the fact
0: Yeah, so if you can scope to quality you hit a quality bar that you can hit—that's exceptional—and you hit it. That's how you become a, a lion in the field. You're the you're the director, maybe Scorsese in movies that just makes a movie beautiful, and and then you just you just won't stop until it's perfect or whatever, right? And there's there's directors like that. Um, you can also get yourself in trouble. So in a, in video games, it's a little bit slowing down now, but you know, from the 1980s through to at least five six years ago, games just got better every cycle. So people that right. scope to this impossible standard, yeah. there's this game. There's an original game called Duke Nukem and it was like an irreverent mm-hmm. shooter. I actually didn't play a lot of it. It, mm-hmm. it just wasn't a game that I ever got around to playing. But it was very popular. Duke was like, I'm here to uh, to kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble gum. Like right. just that kind of vibe, right? right? It was super popular. It was kind of iconic in its era. And they started to create a sequel called Duke Nukem Forever. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna make it perfect. Mm-hmm. And they would be three or four years in and then Mm -hmm. a new game engine would come out. So it looked dated and garbage. So they would start working on Duke Nukem forever again. And then they would spend, we're going to make it perfect. So they would spend four years on it. Yep. And then it would look like garbage because, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so so it, this was, it actually, they finally put out a title called Duke Nukem Forever. But I think somebody right. just sprinted it out to just yeah, make some yeah. cash. Eventually it was a different studio that did it. It's like 17 years to make it. Yeah. They must have lost so yeah. much money in aggregate on this thing. And, 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 and you didn't even get the great Duke Nukem of its era. You didn't even get, you never even got the amazing no. final product. It never came out,
1: really. Yeah. Game development is, I don't know of any other genre, I mean, you know, probably there are many authors out there who are writing books that you never see, but they mostly write them in silence. You probably don't even know that they're writing them, and then they just don't come out. With game development, like, there are many, many examples of this, of, of games publicly failing, of, like, being announced, and then three, four, five years later, there's still really nothing to be, to be shown for, and I don't know what it is about that specific genre that 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 this happens a lot. Maybe game developers are just like very artist artists. No, yeah, yeah, no, they hard. are.
0: They are. They are, right? Well I mean there's the how do I say this uh politely? Um there's the Zynga style of game developers that do things in the Zynga style that are um very numerically oriented and analytical about it. There we go, that was elegant. Um, and then there's everybody else that's in it. I know, I know some people in the industry, they're all in it for the love of it yep. by and large because it's not the highest paid, the most prestigious, the most relaxing. It's, it's, you do it because you almost feel a compulsion where you right. want to do something very special, right? And here's what I think is, is, is interesting about this. I think it's great to scope to quality. I've often scoped things to quality and then delivered it. But I think you wanna do it explicitly, not implicitly. I think you wanna write down what the quality bar is. And that can be close to maximally high. But then you wanna say, okay, hey, if every level of your video game needs to have engaging, unique dialogue worthy of winning an Oscar, that if this was a a, a movie, that it would win an Academy Award. You know, like if you strung the dialogue scenes together, by itself, it would win Academy Award. That's hard to do. That doesn't come for free as part of a team and weaving that into the action elegantly is very difficult. But if you know that that's the standard, you're gonna design, you're gonna allocate for that, you're not gonna try to like half bake it and then get annoyed that it's not good enough then try to put in a narrative element yeah. and then we gotta change the mini boss battle because it doesn't make any damn sense because
1: blah, blah, blah. Um, it's interesting. I mean, what I think is, is really having, making a decision early and really analyzing those two cases, where am I? And, and what does make the most sense for the situation in which I'm in. So, for example, I really think that if you make a decision explicitly, okay, for example, um, let's say you take a project, maybe even something as like getting stronger in the gym, um, and you set a specific target in the future, a specific date, like I got until this date to become as strong as I possibly can, for example, and. I'm sort of going to take, um, you know, the account at that day. I will look at that day as the whether or not I've achieved my goal or not. And uh, interestingly enough, and this is, for example, true with with powerlifters that go to meets, powerlifting meets. The ones that the the powerlifters that regularly compete that have these dates. So like first of March is the next big meet, and if I want to get stronger and then show my numbers, it's that day that I have to perform. Those people actually tend to now, oh, you know, this might be a. Those are maybe also the most dedicated, the ones that go to these meetings. But generally, I think that these the folks in the group would would, uh, would say, hey, because I have this specific date, this forces me to really push and align everything and, and get 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 really serious about becoming strong until this date. Versus someone who's like, yeah, I'm just going to train. It doesn't really matter, like when or how I'm getting stronger, they will actually not progress as quickly.
0: Yes, that's interesting. So sometimes scoping to time gets you higher quality than scoping to quality. That's, that's a mind blowing thing. You can say you're going to quality and wind up with worse quality than if you're going to time. I will do everything I can to get this poem excellent by Friday and then I'm done with it and I'm going to publish this poem or send it to whoever or whatever. Well, if you're gonna give yourself forever and you're gonna wait until the poem is beautiful,
1: mm.
0: right, then you might not work on it at all this week. Whereas like, if, if you're done with it on Friday, no matter what, right. then you might take it really seriously. I'm gonna work on this before, as I have breakfast. I'm gonna work on this at lunch. And I'm gonna look at it once in the evening because I, I love this thing and I wanna make it as good as I can yeah. in the next five days. Yeah. So scoping to time sometimes gets you quality. Likewise, you know, someone that's like, you know, hey, someday I wanna hit 2X body weight or 3X body weight on this lift. I got all the time in the world. Whereas the person that's like, I'm competing on this date, I think this is a realistic plan, a realistic progression. Yeah. Sometimes gets there faster.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, certainly we can think of projects where we want whoever is doing that project to, to scope to quality. I don't know, let's say, you know, work on a new nuclear power plant. Design mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we want those people to not be under time pressure. Correct. Whatever you've done is Whenever it's done and it meets the, the security and safety standards, and we know it's working um, But in general like the world is you know time is a thing that just exists and it moves forward and it it, it uh, Influences a lot of our decisions in life in general. So uh, I think it's it's you know it, the time component will show up in, in how we design and, and, and set up a lot of our projects uh, regularly.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the other thing that I, I, I think is very much the case, right? Now, again, if you're going into a field like nuclear power plant, you're doing eye surgery, brain surgery, in those professions, they're, the, they're going to civil engineering or building bridges. They're go, your instructors, your, the people that license you, these tend to be licensed regulated yep. fields you're gonna find out what's up pretty right. quickly. You know what I mean? Outside of that, I would say when someone's brand new to things, overwhelmingly, I see the fastest learning from the people that scope to time, mm-hmm. right? If you say, hey, I'm gonna take as long as I need to to throw an ideal you know, workshop on how to play the bongos at my local college, yeah. you're much better off saying, first one's in two weeks. I'm gonna make it as good as I can by two weeks. I'm gonna announce it, I'm gonna see who comes in two weeks. And you know, it might be three people and it might be just okay, and you might need to improvise. Well, then you do another one two weeks, three weeks later, then you do another one, then you do and like the first person's getting ready, right? And I gotta wait until it's perfect in six months, is maybe also gonna only have three people come <laughs> and it's sloppy, you know what I mean? Maybe there's four people come. Yeah. But if you haven't done it before, yeah. if you're a bongo player, you play the bongos, right? And You haven't instructed on it and you haven't promoted it before, yeah, your first time is going to very statistically likely it's going to be rough. You're going to make mistakes. You don't even know what you don't know.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Whereas if you just get it out the door and get rapid iteration loops, I don't think you can scope to quality intelligently and correctly when you're like a white belt in a field. That'd be like somebody like I'm not going to do my first judo or jujitsu sparring match until I have my black belt already. It's like, you're never going to get your black belt right. unless the place is a joke that gives it to you. Yeah. Because you can't learn how to do judo with other people. You know, you can't get a what should be a black belt without having been in there and seen how you respond under pressure. And if your wrist is strained or the other person's got weird long arms that's kind of messing with your game, you know, like yeah. you, you need to spar to yeah. see what you know and don't know. You can't just like, I'm going to become a master jujitsu guy and then go undefeated it's, it's ridiculous. Right.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how when you put a time, a fixed scope of time on something, very often, when you look at the progression, the increase in quality per unit of time actually goes up. And um, I don't know why, I mean, yeah, there are many reasons why that is. Psychologically, when we feel a little bit under the gun, we, we, we tend to just go faster, I guess. Um, I'm thinking if there is examples where that's not the case, but generally I, I would say that that is uh, I would say that there is a higher percentage of cases where best practices to, to add that time element.
0: Yeah, you know where I think it's not the case and I've thought about this. It, it happened with me. I think it's not the case after you've plateaued at a high intermediate level in, in some things, mm. right? So so maybe a weightlifter you know, has gotten very strong. A power lifter's gotten very strong. But now uh, he or she is going through cycles where they like get a little bit stronger but the gains are kind of slow. Then they get injured or fatigued or burned out and fall off and they're kind of oscillating in a range. That person might want to slow down and study and add new kit to their tool set and say, I'm going to now take as long as I need. Forget about meats for a little while. I'm gonna Mm. take as long as I need to master new Gymnastic techniques, mobility techniques, cross-training yoga, like a J-curve, the J-curve right. show, right? right, you know, right? Yep. Yep. So so I think when you've plateaued, so as a writer, right, I used to just write whatever the heck I wanted as a writer, um, and I blogged every day for multiple years in a row, and then after the everyday window had been multiple years, I, I dropped down to never more than a day had passed, right? Mm. So at least every other day, sometimes every day, but at least every other day. And I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm the low-hanging fruit in terms of style and composition and, and skill and, and insight for the reader and, and, and depth, I'm, I'm not getting better. Or I'm getting better very slowly. Right. So I hit pause yeah. on that. And that's when I did the, the essays on TSR, which became my books, you know, Progression um, and Machina and, and Pragma. I said, I'm going to rethink how I do writing. I'm going to macro outline entire series. I'm going to do a lot of research. I'm going to rebuild mm. my writing process from the ground up. It's gonna take however long it takes. I did that, I invested a ton of time into it, I did the first six, eight, something like that, I had a backlog, I forget the number, of issues before I came out with one. And mm. I said I'd come out with one a week and maybe some thousands of words every essay, really thorough and comprehensive. And just right away, like the first one I polished so much, upstream effects. Mm. Upstream effects number one was about how, a lot of times what's happening in the moment to you was predetermined way long ago by you, so, so you wind up, you know, downstream of something, you don't have a lot of causal agency, you did, but then once you get to the moment, you you know, you're kind of, sometimes don't have as much. Very interesting concept that I really enjoyed exploring, I talked about, you know, the the, the Soviet Finland winter yeah. war. I don't know, I'm yeah. thinking about that a lot lately, I don't know why. So that for me was like, I'm scoping a quality, I had no date when I wanted to get it out by. It was when I had six in the backlog that I was very happy with in a process that I was, yep. and it was like months, yeah. I wasn't doing it full-time. I had my, my, my consulting work and whatever going on at the time. This is pre, pre-ultra working. And um, that was really good for me. I broke through the plateau. But I was high intermediate. The reps early were way better. The scope, I'm going to put out something every single day. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Early yeah. Yeah. was a scope to time. Something will come out each day. I'm not even specifying quality level. I'll obviously do as good as I can. But every single day, something's coming out. That's what I did for years. Right.
1: Then I switched to scope to quality once I hit a high intermediate plateau. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking how to generalize the thought that you just had. And I would say, yeah, intuitively there is there are there are areas where being put under pressure actually doesn't really help you to produce better results. When it's not about like more when it's not about the effort and thinking, but kind of the quality and you know, you you're waiting for some insights that you really can't force, like pressure does not necessarily create better insights. In, in, in.
0: At the high intermediate level, I think that's true. Maybe among beginners, because I don't want, you know, man, it's, it's very difficult when we podcast, right? Yeah. As a digression, I was thinking about this, right? One of our shows that we made, already had 800 people listen to it and we were on for like an hour. I'm like, man, we spent whatever, however many hours prepping, then we recorded it, and, and then you cut that one. We're, we're we're starting to get a producer to work with, but man, people spend eight hundred hours with what we said. Right. Do you know what I mean? And those are eight hundred different people. It'll be more, it's cause it'll grow yeah. over time. And I'm like, wow. Uh, I don't want the the young guy or girl to get led astray here, and like I need to have a good idea first because like yeah. they're gonna yeah. right. So it's kind of like we got to balance right. Some some people are being their their thirties, trying to break through a plateau, and other people yeah. are getting started. We don't yeah. want
1: them to overthink. Because necessity is also the mother of all invention. That's why I mean, I think, I, I, I hope I preface it with some cases, some elements, some some cases. Totally. Uh, I think, you know, if you graph it out, I think uh, overthinking is a way bigger problem. Or like yeah. going too slow happens more often than going too fast. Um, in general. So yeah, um, but, but sometimes uh, and you know you should analyze if you're in that category. Just putting more pressure on you will not lead to results. And and in, in many many other cases, you actually need some pressure, and you will get better and faster results that way. So,
0: you know, here's a here's a funny example. I've never talked about this one in public because uh, it was it was the opposite of like a heroic story. It's going to sound like a cool heroic story. Like kids, don't try this at home. Like this is bad. You know, um, back in my non-profit days, this is ages ago now. Um, you know, we ran the Gotta Be Good tour and this was like really really cool Like people said these are like the best events they ever came to like we were like hey uh, This was before this is right when college administrators were realizing hey the new economy more entrepreneurial build your networks Non-traditional credentials do projects put your portfolio online Like all that stuff was kind of coming online around the same time. This is maybe like 2015 plus or minus uh, a couple years, right? So so it was like that's not that long ago, but was ages of thinking ago. Do you know what I mean? A lot Mm -hmm, has changed, mm -hmm. right? Um, So we ran the Gotta Be Good tour, which had two, it's kind of like a double meaning, gotta be good, like you gotta be good in today's world to get what you want, but it's also like, hey, we were 100% volunteer nonprofit, it was cool, and this is how we met volunteers and made relationships with universities. So we did something stupid, um, that in retrospect was just stupid, which was we booked something like speaking at 19 universities or tech spaces in like 30 days, across the United States and uh, a couple places in Canada. So don't do that the first time you do this. Like, I mean, like night drives and sleeping in Mm. cars and stress and Mm. like, I mean, by the end of it, we were like a a motley crew. We started in Vancouver and then went down to Seattle and then so on pretty early in the thing. San Francisco had a ton of signups. We had like 250, 300, 350, something like that. And like, for whatever reason, San Francisco is a place that venues fall through later. We got to connect with some, some great people at UCSF and at Stanford and, and, and some different places. The first year, the first year, San Francisco did not come through with a venue, do you know what I mean? And like, so it's the day before, we got like 300 people and like our map of 19 cities or whatever, like whatever, 14 of them were already locked down, were tight, right. you know, but like it's tomorrow. Right. I'm calling every freaking space. I get everybody on our volunteer team is calling every freaking space in San Francisco. Like we're like, what's the fallback? Like the park and bullhorns. Yeah. Like we're like, it's getting ugly. And you know, eventually we wound up connected with it. We just got really lucky because it's such a beautiful space. Don't try to hit them up. They're super busy and they're very expensive. We just got super lucky the way it worked out. But this wonderful place called Broadway Studios, I connected with the owner and, and, and she was very happy. Um, to have us in there. We ran a great event and exposed a lot of people to Broadway Studios, and people had a great time. It was a wonderful event. Some wonderful people spoke there, and it was just really a great event. But like the day before, we didn't have right. it. Do you know what I mean? It was like 11 a.m. We're like frantically calling everyone, like worried, and like it came through at like three o'clock in the afternoon. We're like, hey, here's the venue, everyone. In case you missed it, reminder, it's here i the morning. In case you missed it, like just announced it, right? Um, so that was. A big challenge, but that's what scoping to time does. Yeah. You know, if you say you're gonna have the yeah. first meeting of the University Finance Club or the University Jiu-Jitsu Club, you just say it's gonna be on Friday. And like you might be, if it's the University Jiu-Jitsu Club, you might be fighting in the park. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And you'll learn from it, but if you're like waiting to get all your whatever, you know what I mean? Like it might take a long time to get that forever as opposed to see who likes it, see who shows up, is it clear? and so on and so forth. So scoping to time when you don't know what you're doing teaches you
1: really quickly. It truly, truly does. I'm thinking to, uh, you know, how to approach it uh, in, in, or how I'm thinking about it because I would say my, in the ideal world, everything that I, most projects that I work on, I'll, I'll maybe in the future more aggressively. You know, after our conversation, I'm like, ah, there are many examples where I could have uh, been a little bit more aggressive in 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 where I set that time cut off, and probably achieved uh, better results, and and certainly in you know if dividing the results from the time spent, better results.
0: You know, what scoping the time lets you do, which is great. It lets you fail. Right. You can quote unquote work on your novel yeah. forever. You can have a half-written novel that yeah. you ain't touched in eight months. And it's not failed. You haven't right. given up on it. I've got, so I wrote a bunch of books for some years. I methodically put out a book about every 18 months. Before that, I had three, four, between 30 and 80% finished books I never put Mm out. Right? Mm -hmm. So like setting a date, the book will come out on this date. You announce it. You make a big show of it. You have two choices. You put it out or you're like, sorry, everyone. I suck. I failed. Yeah. You'll get it done. Yep. If you're at all realistic and you're, you know, you could also not get it done, but it lets you fail.
1: Yep. No, super interesting. Um, so, I don't know what the what the verdict is here or the, 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 the scope
0: 90% of things to time, time very aggressively and 10% of things to quality and set the quality bar very high. So it pays for itself after you know what you're doing enough that you can set a quality bar high, maybe, roughly, sounds, sounds, sounds right. Unless you're a civil engineer, or nuclear power plant builder, in which case scope Exa- everything to yeah. quality.
1: If you're a nuclear power plant builder, please,
0: please. <laughs> <laughs> You're at a 10% at all times. total melt. Hey, this is Chris Natter and <laughs> Sebastian Marshall said, I should just get this thing done by Friday. <laughs> no, none of that, please. But yeah, I mean, most people treat, we're gonna have the first jujitsu meetup yeah. like it's a nuclear power plant. It's right. not, make sure nobody gets hurt. Yeah. And by the scoping of time doesn't mean you have no quality standard. You can yeah, still say exactly. we're gonna abort if we can't do it safely. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. But, but for things that don't have a super safety component, You know, you could try to do it and then like whatever, it works or it doesn't.
1: I mean you still want to be on the, you know, the effective, I think it's called effective, no efficient frontier. Frontier, yeah. Um, You still want to have like, okay, what's the highest quality possible in the time that I have for this project? I think that's reasonable. Amen. Um, Hey,
0: for everybody listening, if you want to tie this back in to the previous three episodes, If you want to forcibly synchronize a team, you have to do this. You can't do this on like Wednesday for Friday, but you can do it on Monday for two Fridays from now. You say, hey, everybody, this current slate of combined team-wide projects, Friday, we're done with them. Like whatever's not done by Friday might get done or might not, but we're going back in a planning cycle, right? So you scope to time, right? That will let you get everybody in sync. But as we mentioned in the past shows, it can be a little uncomfortable to do both as a leader and for the participants. And there's no universal prescriptive thing, but I think the vocabulary, Chris, am I scoping this to time or am I scoping this to quality? Am I gonna put this out on some date no matter what? Or am I gonna wait until it has a standard? And if you do, ideally you wanna define that standard, not a vague subjective when I'm ready, but maybe you don't exactly have it early, but at some point in project you have to tighten down. This is good enough to put out X. And you put a date on the calendar or you put a here's the milestones, features, deliverables, rough standard, reviewer, whatever. Some quality standards closer to objective. Um, yeah, this this concept is, is life-changing. You can always ask yourself at the beginning of a project, am I going to put this out on X date or am I going to put this out when it's at a certain standard? And yeah. if you don't know, choose time. Sounds good. As always, Chris Natterer, thank you so much. And everyone, Appreciate thanks for listening. Be well.